0: Well, hey, good morning, River Glen. It is great to see you. Great to be in here with you. Welcome to all of you who are here in the room in Waukesha, especially any guests who are here from out of town. Hope you're having a good time with us. Uh, welcome to all of you who are watching online, especially if you're the one who's out of town. I hope you're enjoying wherever you may be. And, of course, always lots of love and a big welcome to all my friends over in Pewaukee. Hope you guys are doing well. Happy Thanksgiving weekend, everybody. Now, before we get into our message today, I want to invite everybody here and everybody who's watching online to come back or tune in next week, because we are kicking off this year's Christmas series. and We're going to call it All is Well. We're going to be taking a look at our beloved Christmas story, only we're going to do a little different than we normally do. This year, each week, we're going to take a look at some of the unexpected and unusual circumstances that each of the people in our Christmas story had to experience. We're also going to take a look at one of my personal favorites, something called the Serenity Prayer. If you're not familiar with the Serenity Prayer, it is a powerful prayer, and the words of this prayer can be especially profound around this time of year. And then of course, the whole thing is gonna cap off with the most invite-friendly service we do all year long, our Christmas Eve services. Now all the dates and times are picked, they're up on the website, so if you haven't yet, I encourage you to choose the service, or the service is you plan to attend, Uh, but most importantly, I hope you're starting to think now about who you're gonna invite to come with you. There is not a better or easier service to invite someone to come with you than Christmas Eve, so I hope you do that. Sound good? All right. Well, hey, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I know I did. This time of year can be a lot of fun. So I thought we would start off our time together today by having a little bit of fun. We're gonna play a game called, which is better? It's kind of like, would you rather, only it's better, right? We're gonna settle some debates today regarding the traditional Thanksgiving meal. Some of these debates have stood for centuries and we're gonna put them to bed today. We're gonna decide which is better. I'm gonna pick a couple of different food items from the traditional Thanksgiving menu. We're gonna put them up on the screens and then by a show of applause, we're gonna decide once and for all which is better. If you're watching online, you can put your answer in on the chat. Everyone in Pewaukee, you can yell out and scream and of course here in Waukesha, let's get this thing moving, you guys with me? All right. Which is better? Out of the gate, we got to start where we should start, with the bird itself. You got dark meat or you got white meat? If you think dark meat is better, let's hear it. (laughs) Welcome to the dark side. Yes, yes. All right. Other side of the bird. If you think white meat is better, let's hear it. I don't know. I think dark meat went out on that one. All right. Okay. Well, now you see how this works. Let's go to the next one. This is another one. This is good. Mashed potatoes versus sweet potatoes. Let's see. If you think mashed potatoes are superior, let's hear it. Yeah. I think I heard someone from Pewaukee on that one. Nice. All right. What about sweet potatoes? Let's hear it. I'm with, I'm with all the mashed people on this one, yes. I think I, Sweet potatoes are fine, sweet potato french fries, ooh, I love, I can eat my weight in those things. All right, this is where it's gonna get a little tense. Stay with me. Dessert, exactly. <laughs> all right, if you think pumpkin pie is superior, let's hear it. All right, who are my fans of Apple? Let's hear it. And who are all my bougie people who like the pecan pie? Let's hear it. That, that was actually pretty evenly, evenly spaced there. Now I, My sister-in-law makes a pecan cheesecake that'll make you rededicate your life to Jesus. It is unbelievable. I may have had more than one piece uh, this last week. Okay, next one. You know, I, I don't know if we even really need to play on this one. There's, in my mind, there's really not a comparison between cranberry sauce and dog food. They're basically, <laughs> basically the same thing. It's all right. I offended a lot of people at the last service too. <laughs> all right. Last one. What about this? Which is better? Saying thank you or being a truly grateful person? And I know what you're thinking. Aren't, aren't they kind of the same You can't really have one without the other, right? They kind of of go together, don't they? And if you're thinking that, you are right. Yes, in a lot of ways, they are very much the same thing. But in some ways, they're different. And that's what we're going to spend our time talking about today. In the spirit of Thanksgiving, we're going to double-click on this, and we're going to dive into the topic of gratitude. And here's the funny thing about gratitude. We all already think we're pretty good at it. Because we've been doing it for so long, right? Every one of us had a parent or a kindergarten teacher that just drilled it into our heads when we were young. Now, boys and girls, remember, always say please and? See, you get it. You get it. So the big question we want to go after today is this. What does, what kind of difference does showing gratitude really make in my life? Or what kind of difference could showing gratitude make in my life? Or if Jerry Seinfeld was here, he'd say, what is the deal with gratitude? If you're under the age of 35, you can Google Jerry Seinfeld and that joke will make sense to you. Now, I don't know if you like me on this, but I find it interesting that we designate an entire holiday and about 46 million turkeys give up their lives so that we can all be reminded of how important it is to show our gratitude. And don't hear me wrong, I love Thanksgiving. I love it, I loved it a little too much, if you couldn't tell, right? But the whole thing kind of reminds me of a rule we have in our house. We call it the Valentine's rule. And I'll catch you up to speed. My wife and I, in our first year of dating, we came along to February, and my future wife made it very clear to me that we would not be celebrating Valentine's Day in our relationship. Not now, not ever, no exceptions. It is her personal conviction that to express our love and affection on some arbitrary holiday is inauthentic. Her rule is you either love me all year long or you don't love me at all. Okay, I can get on board with that. Sounds pretty good, right? I mean, on the one hand, I save 100 bucks every year on flowers and chocolates. That's pretty good. But on the other hand, her point reveals something important. That for love to be felt... right, for love to truly be felt and received by another person, it has to be expressed often. You can't just save it up and show it one day a year, right? The power of love is greater than any one day or one holiday could fully encapture. I think we'd all agree to that. Well, what if, what if that same truth applies to gratitude? Now, here's why this is so important. If you are a Christian, gratitude is far more than just something that we do or we say. It is truly as we're going to look it is truly a reflection of the character of christ in our lives and if you're here and you're not a christian or you're still kind of just checking this whole christian thing out right there's good news for you too there is a ton of data and research and we're going to look at some of it that proves showing gratitude has tremendous impact on our lives it can improve almost every major area of our lives i'm talking about physical health mental health relational health, spiritual health, all of these things can be improved if we take the step to express our gratitude. So all that to say, this is a big deal and it's a big deal for all of us. And the good news is Jesus gave us a brilliant lesson on gratitude in the book of Luke. If you brought your Bible with you, you can turn to the book of Luke. It's the third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. If you got your phone and your uh, Uversion Bible app, you can turn there if you wanna highlight this passage that we're gonna go through. We're also gonna put the words up on the screens. What did Jesus teach us about gratitude? This is Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11, says this. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now this little geographical detail might not seem important, but it is, and here's why. Samaria was a despised region, full of despised people. Jewish people didn't go there. They did not care for the Samaritans, and here's why. The Samaritans were a mixed race. They were half Jewish, half something else. And so there's all these examples in scripture about how the Jews looked down on the Samaritans and they treated them poorly and they excluded them. Any good Jew in the first century would have walked around this city. And here's one of the things I love about Jesus. Jesus walked right into it. With all that history and all that hate, he walked right into it. Next verse says this, as he was going into that village, Ten men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, obviously, these men had heard about Jesus. They heard there was some miracle-working prophet man in town, and if you met him, he could heal you of any disease that you had. They'd heard about this. So when Jesus walks in their town, they immediately go up to him, but they stood at a distance. Why? I don't know how much you know about leprosy. but leprosy is a highly contagious skin disease that kills its victims slowly and shamefully. Now, if you had leprosy in the first century, you would have been kicked out of your family and then kicked out of your town. And you would have gone to live out on the outskirts of the city with the other people who had leprosy and basically just waited to die. But that's not the bad part. The bad part is because it was so highly contagious, no one would ever touch you ever again. Think of this like extreme permanent quarantine. You would live out the rest of your days with zero physical contact. Now that was the mental, emotional, and physical state of these men when Jesus walked into their town. And here's what happens next. When he saw them, when Jesus saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of the things, again, I love, about reading the stories of Jesus in the gospel is Jesus always did two things when he met someone with an illness. He felt compassion and then he took action. He felt compassion, and then he took action. That's exactly what he did here. He saw these men in the state that they were in. He felt compassion, and he healed them. It's not the first time he healed someone with leprosy in the Gospels, only this time, for whatever reason, it was different. This time, he kind of he sent them on a mission first. He said, go, show yourselves to the priests, and on the way is when they were healed. Now this part about showing themselves to the priest, here's why that's important. It has to do with an old Jewish law. The only person in the town who could declare you clean and grant you admittance back into your family and back into the town were the priests. That's why this was important. And so these guys all take off, right? You can imagine with me just for a second, these 10 men are walking on their way to the priest, their sores fall off, their wounds close up, For the first time in a long time, probably many, many years, they felt free. We could all imagine how excited and how grateful they all must have been. Am I right? Well, that's where we get to the turning point in our story. Here's, Here's the tension point. One of them, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Now we see why this is a lesson in gratitude. Ten men were healed. We assume that all ten felt grateful, right? How could they not? But only one, only one acknowledged it, turned around, came back, and thanked him. And that's the one that Jesus made an example out of. And here's what happens next. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, I don't know about you, I actually kind of like it when Jesus gets a bit snarky. <laughs> it, 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 to me, it just, it reinforces the authenticity of Scripture. that He was real, and he gets it, right? I, I can imagine Jesus standing there, and he's, I'm pretty sure I healed ten of you. Where are the other nine, right? He calls out the other nine for not turning around. And the one who does come back, he affirms him, but he points out the fact that he was a foreigner. He was not Jewish, right? It begs the question, why did only one come back, and why that one? Now, here's why I think this is important. I think it's important because this is a character issue. It's a character issue. Here's what I think happened. I think the other nine men were Jewish. And I think that they were doing exactly what they were told to do. They were following the Jewish protocol, go show yourselves to the priest, and then you can be declared clean and entered back into your town, right? They were following protocol, not a bad thing. But I think somewhere along the way, they're walking, and the 10th guy realizes, wait, I'm not Jewish. I don't have to do this. I don't have a protocol to follow. He realizes in that moment, he does not have to go fulfill a religious duty, I think in that moment, he realized he needed to fulfill a relational duty. And he turned around and he came back. And that's the point of all this. I love that he came back and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he declared his gratitude loudly, by the way, which again, I love that detail. I think what happened is, I think this guy realized in that moment that all the stories he had heard about this savior from God coming to earth in human form, who was going to bring grace and love and forgiveness and the power to heal, they were all true. And I think in that moment, he realized that guy he heard about was about a half a mile back. And he thought, wait a minute, I got to go back and be with him. And so he turned around, came back and thanked Jesus. And what Jesus does next is really surprising. Take a look at this. Then he says to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, this is a really interesting word. I don't know if you know this, but any Bible we read in English is a translation of the original language. The New Testament was written in Greek. So any, any version of the Bible you have, if you're reading it in English, is a translation of that original language. As you can imagine, when you translate one language to another, a lot of words translate word for word, and sometimes there's words that have some nuanced differences. Sometimes it's not a big deal, but in this case, it's a really big deal. You see, we read this statement and we get to that word and we think, well, that must mean physical healing, right? They were sick and now they're well, but that's not what that word means. This word in the original language means a spiritual healing. This is actually the exact same word in the original language that means salvation. And this is the same word that Jesus used multiple times when he affirmed someone for their faith. He said, your faith has made you well. What does this mean? It means the other nine guys received a physical healing. And that's pretty good. But this guy who came back received a spiritual healing and he got saved. He got more than he was grateful for. And that's the point. That's the point in all of this. I think it's interesting, too, that last weekend, Garrett talked about the fact that God blesses the humble. Right? You remember that? He says, God blesses us when we're humble. This is a perfect example of that. That when this one man had the humility and the gratitude to come back and declare his thankfulness to Jesus, he got more than what he was grateful for. And that's really, I think, the lesson in this. The power of gratitude is not in feeling gratitude. We all feel it, right? The other nine guys felt gratitude. As we said back at the beginning, the power of gratitude is in expressing it. It's in sharing it. It's in showing it. When we express our gratitude, we can expect to receive more than what we're grateful for. And if you want a handy way to remember this, think of it this way. Gratitude expressed leads to a life that is blessed. We can all remember that, right? Gratitude expressed leads to a life that is blessed. Now, I don't know what's going on in your life, or any of you who are online, or all my friends in Pewaukee, but I'm going to take a safe bet that we're all interested in this word right here. Anybody interested in a little more blessing in their life? All right, that's all of us. So in the few minutes we have left, let's talk about this. How does gratitude lead to a blessed life? I've got three points for you. And the first one is this, that gratitude is powerful. It is a powerful Feeling. And it's more powerful than even I gave credit to when I started studying this. I spent the last few weeks studying gratitude, which was a ton of fun, by the way. Way more fun than studying spiritual warfare last month, right? Gratitude is actually fun. I came across this doctor and professor on the West Coast who is the nation's leading expert in gratitude. His name is Robert Emmons. And outside of Jesus, probably no one knows more about gratitude than this guy. He spent his entire life studying thousands of people from all different ages, all different backgrounds, all different sets of challenges, and all the data comes back the exact same. That when we take the step to express our gratitude, we can enjoy better lives and greater degrees of wellness all comes back the same. Now, here's, here's what some of his studies proved. When we take the step to not just feel, but show our gratitude, it has a whole host of physical benefits. Now, you might not be able to deadlift 300 pounds tomorrow at the gym, but you can expect this, a strengthened immune system, decreased aches and pains, lower blood pressure, motivation to exercise more, sleep longer and feel more refreshed upon waking up. Who's sold already, right? That's a pretty good list. Just by taking the step, to model our lives after the one who turned around and showing our gratitude, right? But there's more, right? He, again, thousands of people he studied, he came up with this list too. Showing gratitude also has mental health benefits, higher levels of positive emotions. We feel more alert, more alive, and more awake. We experience more joy and more pleasure and we are more optimistic and enjoy greater happiness. But wait, there's more, right? Kind of sounds like an infomercial. Last list. Taking the step to not just feel but show our gratitude has relational benefits. More, we feel more helpful, more generous. We become more compassionate. We become more forgiving to other people. We're more outgoing and we feel less lonely and less isolated. Now, can anyone here, anyone watching online, any of my friends over in Pewaukee, could anybody use a little more feeling of joy and happiness, a better night's sleep, and feel less lonely? Anyone interested in that? <laughs> Crazy to think that we can enjoy all those benefits simply by saying thank you, and doing it often. Gratitude expressed leads to a life that is blessed. It really, really does. Now, if you want to study any more of Robert's work, there's a ton of it out there. His name is Robert Emmons. I encourage you to go on that journey. But I can already feel the rebuttal. I already know the tension in the room. Because in a lot of ways, I feel the same way. It's easy to be grateful when your life is great. What if it's not? What if you got some challenges? What if you're going through some pain? What if you got a mess that you were dealing with, right? What about real life? What about me? What do you do then? Well, that brings us to our second point, which is that gratitude is a principle, which means it is true in all ways and at all times. I don't know if you remember this, but a couple of weeks ago, our lead pastor, Ben, had a moment in the service where he invited everybody to come forward and to write down on a card a burden that we're facing in our lives. And the idea was we would write down our burden, and we'd come up and we'd leave it at the foot of the cross. We did this at both of our campuses. We did it online. By the end of the weekend, we had 900 cards turned in. What does that mean? It means we're all dealing with stuff. We're all going through some real-life stuff. Well, our staff got together. We read through all of them. And we tabulated them into a series of of categories. And here were the top four categories of burdens that we as a church are facing. Physical, spiritual, and mental health. Relationship challenges. Work and financial challenges. And fear about the future. So how do you be grateful when you're going through all of that, right? Well, there is a, a tiny gem of scripture towards the end of our Bibles that explains how. It's in the book First Thessalonians. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to this tiny church in Greece in the first century. And he unpacks exactly how we can be grateful when stuff like that is happening. And he says this, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, a lot of us are trying to figure out what is God's will for my life? That's a pretty good summary right there, right? Rejoice always, pray all the time. And then this verse right here, give thanks in all circumstances. And that word right there, you guys, that's the difference. That's the key to this. Because there is a mountain of difference between being thankful for our circumstances and being thankful in our circumstances. You see, culture will tell you that gratitude is based on circumstances. If you have a great life, of course you feel grateful, right? But it goes up and down when life goes up and down. That's not right. So being grateful for our circumstances is reactive and it ebbs and flows as life ebbs and flows. Being thankful in all circumstances is rooted in our faith and in hope and in power. And I'll give you some examples. If you are sick right now, and if you're dealing with some kind of illness, no one is gonna tell you to be thankful for your illness, right? But we can choose to be thankful in our illness. Why? Well, because of the faith and hope and love that we receive and the forgiveness we've been given and the knowledge that we know that our relationship with God is whole. And we can have hope knowing that there will be a day when we get a brand new body with no aches and pains and no sickness and no wrinkles, right? We will have a brand new body someday. We can live in that hope. But every day that we're in this body, we can share that hope with other people. That's how we can choose to be thankful in those circumstances. I'll give me another one. If you're going through a divorce right now or somewhere along the way in this last year or so, you've lost your job and you're unemployed right now, no one, least of all me, is going to tell you to be thankful for your divorce or for unemployment, right? But we can be thankful in those circumstances. How? Because we can lean hard into the promise that God made that he will never leave us and never forsake us. So we know no matter matter what storm we're going through, we will never go through any storm alone. He is always with us. And our faith continues and we can be more hopeful because of the other promise he made that he'll provide for all of our needs. We'll never be left wanting, right? That's how we can be thankful in those kind of circumstances. Last one, we've all got someone in our lives. Many of us have more than one person in our lives who we love and we are praying for that they so desperately would connect with Jesus and begin a life of faith. They begin to live life with God at the center, right? We call them our ones. We talk about them all the time. We pray for them all the time. No one is telling you to be thankful for the fact that someone you love is living life far from God. But we can be thankful in that reality, why? Because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that no one loves our sons and daughters and brothers and sisters and friends and neighbors more than God himself. And no one wants them to come home to him more than him, right? And he has invited us into his mission to pray for them and serve them and love them and love them back into God's family. We get a chance to do that. That's how we can be grateful in those circumstances. You tracking with me? There's a big difference between being thankful for Our circumstances and being thankful in our circumstances and if you are a follower of Jesus you have been gifted and called to be thankful in any circumstance because of the power and the presence of God in your life which brings us to our last point right gratitude is powerful it affects all the areas of wellness that we can experience gratitude is a principle it's true in all things and lastly gratitude is a practice it's something we get to do every day a life of gratitude can begin tomorrow morning if we want. In doing the, the research for this message, I came across a guy named A.J. Jacobs. He's a writer in New York who is trying to embed the concept of gratitude in the hearts of his children. Right, now like me, A.J. enjoys a great cup of coffee. But unlike me, A.J. lives in New York, just down the street from one of those really foofy New York boutique coffee shops, All right? That's where he gets his cup of coffee every morning. Well, one night at dinner, he's there with his family, and his 10-year-old challenges him to think outside the box and outside their apartment, and to actually thank every person responsible for his morning caffeination. Now, that sounds like a pretty good challenge, right? AJ says, you know what? I'm up for it. Let's do it. Next morning, gets up, goes down to his coffee shop, orders his coffee, and he pauses for a second to look the gal behind the counter in the eyes and just say thank you. And he gave her just a wish of gratitude and sincere thanks. Now you can imagine in New York, this kind of thing doesn't happen very often. (laughs) So at first it was a little awkward, but it became just a wonderful moment that the two of them shared, right? Gratitude expressed leads to a life that is what? Blessed, right? But he didn't stop there. He asked her to call out the manager. The manager comes out and he thanks him for hiring such a great staff and putting together such a great menu. And the two of them had a really cool moment. And he didn't stop there. A.J. began a journey that would take him a full year to complete, and he would travel the globe, thanking every single person for his morning cup of coffee, from steel workers in Pittsburgh who made the coffee roasters to farmers in Columbia who, who harvested the beans. He put the whole thing together, put, put together a TED Talk, and he wrote a book called Thanks a Thousand, symbolizing all the thousands of people that he thanked along the way. And if, you were to, if A.J. was here and we were to ask him, he would tell you that his life and his family's lives have been forever changed just by the simple practice of expressing gratitude daily. Now, here's the good news for all of us. None of us have to take a year off work and travel the globe to begin practicing gratitude. We can, do th- we can start this right here, right now. Who is someone in your life that you are truly grateful for? Who is someone who has loved you, supported you, encouraged you, been faithful to you, lifted you up when you needed it the most, who is that person in your life? Now, while you're thinking of that person, pull out your phone. Take a second and pull your phone out. We're going to break the rules. We're going to get on our phones in church today. Here's what I want you to do. Whoever that person is, I want you to send them a text message. And if you don't know what to say, look up here. You can just say something like this. Hey, we're talking about gratitude in church today and I thought of you. I'm so grateful for you because and then just tell them why. Let's all take the next minute and let's do this now. Send that text message to that person. When you're done, just give me a little wave and let me know that you're done. So I gotta ask you, that feel pretty good? Yeah, gratitude expressed leads to a life that is blessed. Hey, what if you did that every day for a whole week? Would that feel pretty good? Or what if you're an overachiever and you did that for a whole month? 30 days you sent a text message like that. Or what if, what if you just made the decision that you're just gonna be a grateful person? And this habit, this discipline just becomes something that you do all the time wouldn't that make a difference yeah now if you're a Christian we actually have another way that we practice gratitude regularly Only you might have never thought of it this way before see sometimes we call this a sacrament other times we call this the Lord's Supper around here every week we call it communion but here's what's really interesting if you spend any time in the Catholic Church they have a word for it they call it the Eucharist And again, here's where we get into some cool language stuff. Eucharist is a Greek word. Guess what it means? To give thanks. Communion is actually a moment of gratitude. And why is it a moment of gratitude? Well, because if you're a Christian, you've got the greatest reason on earth to be grateful. Right here, the Apostle Paul said it. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still stuck in our mess, Christ died for us. So communion, you guys, is a moment to say thank you. You should have gotten one of these on your way in. Go ahead and pull it out. If you're watching online, grab some bread and juice. Take a minute to have your bread and juice and then say a prayer of gratitude. Thank you, God, for your grace, for your love, for your purpose in our lives. Let's do that now. Now next weekend around here, we're going to get a chance to celebrate the lives of several people who have accepted God's gift of grace and forgiveness and salvation, and they're going to take the step to be baptized. And if you've ever been around any any one of our baptism services, you know it's a party. I mean, it is a celebration, and rightfully so. And here's my question for you. Why not join the party? Why not join the party and let your church celebrate your faith too? If you have not yet taken the step of baptism in your faith journey, I encourage you to sign up today. What better way to show your gratitude than by stepping into the water and being baptized? I hope that for you. I pray for that for you. You can sign up either online or at the Connect wall at either of our campuses today. Don't leave here today without signing up. We would love to celebrate what God has done and is doing in your life next week. So as we wrap this up, we all love Thanksgiving. It's a great holiday. But let's not let our gratitude be limited to just one day a year. It's way more powerful than that. Let's let gratitude shape who we are. Let's be known for our gratitude. We can do that because, as Christians, we have been given the greatest gift of all and the greatest reason to be gratitude, to, to, to have gratitude in our lives. The grace and forgiveness and a whole and right relationship with God. Gratitude expressed really does lead to a life that is blessed, and that is my prayer for you. And once again, our band has picked just the perfect song to close out our service today. It's actually a song called Gratitude. It's gonna unpack this idea a little bit more. And there's a line in the song where it talks about lifting up our hands as a sign of gratitude. I encourage you to do that today as the band leads us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Seems simple to think that just two little words can mean so much and do so much. But thank you, God, that they do. Thank you, God, for all the reasons you have given us to be grateful. Thank you for the lesson that Jesus gave us in Scripture to remind us of not only how powerful gratitude can be in our lives, but also in the lives of the people around us. So, God, that's our prayer today, that you, through the work of your Holy Spirit, would enable us and empower us And teach us to be truly grateful people. And that gratitude would shape our lives and bless our lives and bless the other people in our lives. We pray for that. God, we pray for those who are in our life who we love, who we so desperately want to find a relationship with you. We lift them up to you now. We pray, God, that even now, today, you would be moving closer to them and they would be moving closer to you. We pray for that. God, we give you our whole life. In Jesus' name, amen.